Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. Daniel, the third chapter. I want to read a rather extended passage, so bear with me. Um, Beginning at verse 9, and I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Here's what it reads and how it reads. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the drum, and the entire musical ensemble shall fall down and worship the golden statue. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They pay no heed to you, O king. They do not serve your gods, and they do not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought in, so they brought those men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods and do not worship the golden statue I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the drum, and entire musical ensemble to fall down and worship the statue that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. If our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, O king, let him deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods and we will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was so filled with rage against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face was distorted. He ordered the furnace heated up seven times more than was customary and ordered some of the strongest guards in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So the men were bound, still wearing their tunics, their trousers, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Because the king's command was urgent, the furnace was so overheated, the raging flames killed the men who lifted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up quickly. He said to his counselors, was it not three men that we threw bound into the fire? They answered the king, true, O king. He replied, but I see four men unbound walking in the middle of the fire, and they are not hurt, 
and the fourth has the appearance of a God. Come on, let's pray, beloved. God, thank you today. We honor you, O God, on this amazing and majestic morning. God, just this morning, you've done more than enough to justify our praise. You've done more than enough to justify our worship. God, you've done more than enough to make us mindful of your grace. So God, we come now collectively to just say thank you. Thank you. We say thank you, O oh God, realizing that gratitude gives birth to joy. And this joy that we have right now, the world cannot take it away because the world did not give it. So God, thank you for giving us joy. Thank you for giving us peace. Thank you for giving us sound mind. God, thank you. Because we've seen you move before. We've seen your work. And that's why we can encourage one another and declare, hang on in there. Do whatever you need to do, O oh God, in us, with us, and through us to get the glory out of us. This is our prayer. In your name we pray. Amen. Remain standing. Let me just read a portion, verse 24 and 25. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up quickly. He said to his counselors, was it not three men that, were th that we threw bound into the fire? They answered the king, true, O king. He replied, but I see four men unbound, walking in the middle of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the fourth has the appearance of a God. Amen. Do me a favor. Just turn to your neighbor and just tell him, neighbor, you cannot bow down. Come on, turn to the other neighbor. Just tell him, neighbor, you cannot bow down. Put your hands together and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You take your seat. We've already enjoyed our time in worship and praise today, so I won't be long, but a, a few things I just want to say, and, and hopefully it will be helpful to some here today. I am not surprised or really ever surprised when small-minded people want you to worship them. I, I am not shocked or ever surprised when people whose insecurities is of such magnitude that they are delusional about the enormity of their presence, that they actually believe fighting against the insecurity, that the best way to fight against it is to create a facade of superiority in order for them to feel better about themselves. I get it because all of us who've traveled the road of insecurity and self-doubt, if we are honest, and I have to always say that if we are honest, we are well acquainted with at times the false bravado we deem necessary to help us grab hold of some identity that we've constructed in order to make us feel better about ourselves. I get it. I, I get that need. I get that urge, especially again. And I often talk about this issue. It is in part why I wrote the book, because there are many of us who have spent years, and I am one of them, 
who have spent years navigating those tumultuous waters of, of insecurity and, and feelings of inadequacy. And, and in navigating those waters, you pass many phases on your way if you're committed to your healing. It is not really the problem to traverse those waters in that mechanism by constructing identities and falsehoods to feel better about yourself. But the hope is that you do not become so delusional that you begin to think that the falsehood and the false identity you've constructed is actually who you are. That's the danger of it. When you start actually believing the hype that you've created about yourself in order to feel good about yourself, well, that's one phase of it. And again, it's a phase that makes sense because if you feel those feelings of rabid, uh, inadequacy, you have no idea. Well, no, yes, you do. You do know the things you'll go through and the spaces you'll inhabit and the people you'll surround yourself by in order to feel good about yourself. Sometimes it manifests itself in you surrounding yourself with people who will never question you, who will simply affirm everything you say and do. Yeah, that's one way it manifests itself. You, your, 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 your ego is so fragile that you take any perceived disagreement as a slight against who you are. And so you make sure that you don't really have to ever navigate that reality by surrounding yourself with people who simply affirm the falsehood you've made. Sometimes you call them a yes people in your life, right? I, I worry about the people who need yes people. Really, really, I've discovered, Reverend Alicia, that the, the people who need the yes people are the people who've never said yes to themselves. And because you've never said yes to yourself, you need everyone to agree with everything around you and never challenge or be critical of what you do. And then, and then keep that line of thought, when you don't like people to challenge you or be critical of you, what it says really, again, that you don't think really a lot of yourself. Why do you say that? Well, if you don't want to be challenged or criticized, it also means that you don't want to grow. And, and, and it is a poor person who can live this life and refuses to grow. There's some people you know right now, you've known for a long time, 15, 20, 30 years. And after all that time, you give this sad report about those persons. So-and-so has never changed one bit. Do you know how hard you got to work to not evolve? Do, do you know how hard you got to work to not grow? In some ways, evolution is part of the natural human process, but to fight against growth to fight against transformation, to fight against your own evolution is hard work. And what it really signifies to those around you is that you've arrived to a point in your life, no matter how young or old you are, that you believe you are beyond the pale of improvement. I hope you get that this morning. And so you not only want to be surrounded by, yes, people who will be uncritical, who will be non, well, who won't seek to tell you the truth, but then you, you need that because you really don't want to grow because you think that you are completely and totally everything you need to be with no, necess no necessity for any further development in your life.
Well, then the third part to that is then you're the person who doesn't like to be challenged. You don't like to be criticized. You don't like people to force you to think deeper about who you are. And then you then you don't want to grow and you want to remain where you are. But here's the third, uh, third part. Then you want other people to then capitulate to the falsehood you've constructed and begin to make you the center of their life. Oh, see, I got to say that again. Maybe I went too fast. I, I missed the moment to react differently right there. Um, there are those people, again, who are rife with those rabid insecurities who don't like to surround themselves with people who will make them better, but surround themselves with people who will make them feel comfortable in their own delusion. And those same people who are comfortable in their delusion also declare through their delusion that they do not believe growth is possible. And so they're content with who they are, even with who they are is a fractured version of who they can be. And then, and then I'm hope I'm making sense. And then those same people who are now again, right for those insecurities need you, need you, need me to now make them the center of our lives. What they are telling us is that they are so valuable that their value ought to come to the negation of being mindful of ourselves. Do you know people like that who really want to be the center and circumference of your reality? That there, it's not enough for them to live in their delusion, but then they send out invitations to their delusional gathering about themselves and then want you to not just show up, but they want you, when you show up, to make sure you hail them the best, that you, you honor them and you make them the center and you bow down to them. I'm going to say it again where I started. It takes small people who want to be surrounded by other people who simply bow down to them. Nebuchadnezzar was one of those people, supremely so. In chapter 2 of Daniel, he, he constructed a statue. It's amazing. Chapter 2 is interesting, uh, Pastor Heaven, because, because in chapter 2, he acknowledged the God of Daniel. He recognized the God of Daniel. But then that ego and that insecurity took hold of him because I'm going to be clear. There are people who can move in and out of spaces where they're clear and unclear. We all do. We all do. We have moments of clarity and then moments where the waters are muddy and we're confused. We go in and out at times. And he acknowledged, Nebuchadnezzar did, he acknowledged the God of Daniel, but then he got lost in his own ego and he decided that he was going to build this monument. Now, it, it never says that it was directly a reflection of Nebuchadnezzar, but, but the, the assumption in the text is that it was a reflection of Nebuchadnezzar. 90 feet high, statue of solid gold, 90 feet high. And, and, and not only did he construct the statue, but check this out. He, he, he put supreme effort in making sure that the, the statue would always be honored and revered. Here's a decree he gave. He said, listen, when y'all hear the music start going, when you hear the music start playing, when all the instruments and the ensemble, in other words, when the band and the worship team start singing, he said, I want everybody to stop what you're doing and bow down to that statue. That was the decree. Can you imagine going about your day walking through Babylon? And now remember, Israel is held captive in Babylon. Not everybody, but many of them are in Babylonian captivity. You walking around, you hear music. You got to stop what you were doing to make Nebuchadnezzar feel better about himself. That's what was happening. Stop what you're doing. Interrupt your day 
in order to pay homage to a reckless ego. Oh, man, have you ever experienced that? Those folk who are no respecter of your time or your plans. But whenever they show up, are ready to now take over and hijack your day for their own selfish purposes and agenda. Yes, we know them well. That's what Nebuchadnezzar wanted. He wanted everyone, when they heard the music, to stop what they were doing and to honor him and to bow down to that statue. And so that was the ritual. That was performance. And whenever the music played, people would stop, bow down. They heard the, the trumpets and the harps start to play. They bow down in honor. But then there were these three boys who were brought to Babylon. Now, this is the deep thing. Because what Nebuchadnezzar did is he took some of the best among the Israelite people and brought them to Babylon so that they can serve him and help him improve his kingdom. And some of those persons uh, that he brought, among them were three boys named Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, this is the part that is kind of deep when he brings them to. Babylon, he decides that he wants to change their names, believing that a name change would mean an identity change. I hope you catch this today. Now, this, this, was, this was Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, here's a deep thing. In case you don't know, you can put this in your notes. Um, Hananiah's name means grace or gift from God. Mishael's name is a question. Mishael translated into the English, Michael. I'm familiar with that name. Mishael. The translation means a question. Who is like God? And then Azariah was the name of the last young man. And here's a deep thing. Azariah means helped by God. Hananiah, gift of God. Mishael, who is like God? Azariah, helped by God. That's who they were. Their names had meaning. But when Nebuchadnezzar brought them again, he thought that in order to co-opt their gift, he had to shift their name. Well, I hope you get this. Y'all not getting this. He thought somehow by renaming them that he was actually reconstituting them. He thought that by giving them these new Babylonian names that they would better serve him. And those Babylonian names, you know what they were. Shadrach became Hananiah's name. Meshach became Mishael's name. And Abednego became uh, Azaria's name. Now, here's a difference. Shadrach means a command of Aku, who was the Babylonian moon god, right? Meshach means a guest of the king, not the guest of God, but the guest of the king. And Abednego means a servant of another god of Babylon, Nabu. Now, you catching this? So now these three boys who came to help the king because of their gifts and their abilities, again, because the king only took the best to come serve him. You'll get that when you get home. But he only took the best to come and serve him. Okay, He took the best to hold captive in Babylonian slavery and captivity. He took the best of the Israelite people and he brought them to serve. 
He thought he could co-opt their gifts and to solidify the co-option of gifts. He decided to change their identity and their name. Now, I'm going to hasten through this, but I'm going to pause for a quick second. You've got to be careful. You have to be careful. Because along your journey, when it becomes clear that God has laid God's hand upon you in a significant way, there will always be people who will try to confiscate your gift, who will try to co-opt who you are for their own agenda, who will think that somehow if they can reel you into their program, that you will not only benefit them, but you can expand what they want. The problem is, and that reeling you in may come at the loss of your own identity. And some of us are willing to surrender identity at the altar of reckless egos. You've got to be careful when people want you to co-opt who you are to expand their vision while your vision dies. I hope you get this today. You, you got to be careful when there are people who want the best of who and what you are to serve them while you leave yourself depleted. You got to watch folk who always want you to give your best for them, but remain at your worst for you. No, you still ain't got this. You need to be careful of people who find creative ways to justify you neglecting yourself in order to put them first. Y'all still ain't got this. In other words, here it is. You got to get to a place in your journey where you must be able to tell some people that your joy won't come at the cost of my joy. Oh, gosh. That your betterment won't come at the cost of my betterment. Okay, okay. You got to tell some folk that I will not continue to serve you into my misery. Oh, gosh. Because there's some folk who don't mind you being miserable as long as their life is okay. There are some folk who don't mind you walking around damaged. In fact, they'll reinforce and support the damage as long as they feel good about themselves. But there comes a point where you must be able to stand up for yourself in the face of those Nebuchadnezzars in your life and tell them, I know I've been here for you, yes, and I know I've done things for you, but the problem is I've seen no reciprocity in this relationship. I have given and given, and there has been no return. You have taken and taken to the point of my own depletion and exhaustion, and you don't even have the courage to pour back into me. You just leave me here struggling, and as long as you okay, you don't mind if I feel like I'm losing my mind. As long as you're okay, you don't mind if my world is collapsing. You got to get to a point where you say, I will not surrender who I am in order to let you feel better about yourself. I will not sacrifice my well-being so that you can feel better about who you are. And if my well-being comes at the expense of your reality check, then so be it. If, if I got to look out for me and in looking out for me in that moment for my own well-being helps you see how insane your behavior has been, so so be it. I don't mind being a mirror for you so you can see yourself. I don't mind helping you come to an awareness of who you are, but I will not bow down at the altar you've created around your reckless ego. Yes, there are people who are sophisticated in manipulation. There are people 
who know how to manipulate even your guilt for their goodness. There are people who know how to manipulate your wounds for their own benefit. There are people, and sometimes we don't like to admit that some of those people are people who are close to us. Oh, I know it's painful. I know it hurts. But remember, remember, uh, reckless egos exist everywhere, even in your own household. And so no matter where they show up in your life, you got to be able to be honest and courageous and also have a, a radical sense of self-worth and self-care. You know, sometimes closing the door on some people is an act of self-care. You, 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 you know, sometimes not answering that phone call is an act of self-care. You realize sometimes not texting back that person is an act of self-care. I love when that happens. And people show up and they say, well, where you been? I've been with myself. I forgot what that looked like. So I had to take some time out and regroup and discover who I was and who I am. Because for a second, I lost myself in you. And there's no way you could ever find yourself trying to satisfy other people. No, look at yourself. And you got to tell some people today. I cut that cord off because it is necessary for my own well-being. And here it is. You may think I need you to survive, but know what I learned? If I wake up every morning and ain't nobody but me and God, we are always in the majority every day. If I wake up every morning and the only one I can call on is God, I will be all right. You got to know that. Yeah, it might mean walking by yourself some days, but you needed to walk by yourself to get to know yourself again. It, it may mean that you may, your circle may shrink. Your tribe may shrink. But my God, I'll take a shrinking tribe in exchange for a growing me any day. I, I hope you catch that. No, you want me to worship you. You want me to lift you up on a pedestal. You want me to honor you instead of honoring God. No, can I go this way with it? Here it is, Alicia. You ain't waking me up this morning. No, I can't. Well, as I heard Reverend Sharpton say yesterday, there will always be snitches in the fold. There were some, there were some Babylonians. Who, who, who saw when the music played that, that, that Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were not bowing down. They watched them and observed them because, remember, all eyes on you ain't for you. You'll get that one later, too. All eyes on you ain't for you. Somebody need to put that on a shirt. All eyes on you ain't for you. Because here's a danger. If your ego is dependent on the eyes for, on you, but you can't discern if they're for you, you're ultimately confused. Okay, no, you didn't like that part. Some of us need, need eyes on us. Okay, let me change that. You love attention. And your attention seeking is so great that in your desire for attention, you've lost your capacity to discern. Why? Because all eyes on you ain't for you. 
If you don't remember nothing else when you leave here today, you better remember that part right there. So there's some folk who had their eyes on them three boys, but they weren't for them. They went back to Nebuchadnezzar and said, listen, King, listen, listen. When that music starts playing, we rock out with you all the time. But there's these three dudes that you promoted. See, oh, whoa. That was the issue. That was the issue. Those quote-unquote snitches were mad because the three boys who were brought in as quote-unquote captives were elevated. Oh, man, I don't have time. We got to go because I'm already past time. But, but, but remember, 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 I say it all the time. Some folk um, uh, will try to minimize you because you've been elevated. And because they can't handle your elevation, they will try to enlist other people to support their issue with you. Boy, I, I, that's real right there. They, they, they will recruit people to hate on you because they don't like what God is doing with you. They don't like seeing what's going on in your life. They don't, okay, that ain't work. Okay. They don't like your radical commitment to yourself. And so they will then try to undermine that. They said, King, listen, them, 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 them three boys you brought here, you thought they would be of service to you. They do not capitulate to you when that music plays. I'm getting out of here, y'all. When that music plays, they don't do anything. And, 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 and here it is, the fragile ego Nebuchadnezzar. He's like, what? Bring them to me. They bring Hananiah, Mishael. And Assyria, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to Nebuchadnezzar. Here it is, and I'm out. Nebuchadnezzar said, wait a minute. Now, y'all heard what I said. When that music plays, I need, that's right, Joyce, thank you for that line. I need y'all to bow down. So I'm going to give y'all a chance because I don't really want to do this because y'all have been blessing my life. So we're going to play this one more time. We'll strike up the band and the worship team one more time. And when I do it this time, you bow. Now, if you don't bow, all right, I'm going to throw you in this furnace. And them three boys said, listen, King, <laughs> we, we, we know what you said. But, uh, you know, and we appreciate the gesture. But although you're not clear about who we are, we are clear about who we are. Shadrach, I imagine, this ain't in the text, but I just want to use my imagination. Shadrach might have said, you know what, King? You call me Shadrach, but that ain't my name. My name is Hananiah, which means that God has mercy on me. And, and then and then the Meshach was like, yeah, and my name, well, you were close, but it's Mishael. Because even though you want us to capitulate to your statue, there is no one like the God I serve. And Azaria said that, well, King, my name is Azaria, which means that God has always helped me. You see, because your confusion is with you. It ain't with us. So here it is. The God we serve is able to save us. I love that part. Pause for a second. The God we serve is able 
How do you know? Because we've seen God work before. You see, you don't make those kind of statements on speculation. You can't say that on a theory. When you say the God I serve is able, that's because you've seen God work in your life. And that's why when folks see you going through and they don't understand why you can stay forthright in the face of your own difficulty, you've got to be able to tell them, because I know a God who is able. Oh, my God, is anybody in here today who can testify that God is able? It ain't a whole lot of words, but it can have a whole lot of impact. Look at somebody and tell them, neighbor, God is able. I'm talking from my experience. I got a testimony. God is able, period. Well, no, comma. Here comes the radicality of faith. But if God don't do one more thing, can I do it like my grandmama said? God's already done enough. Hold on, 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 hold on. Can you imagine having seen God work so much you don't need to see God work again? Wait a minute, you missed that. I've seen God move so much in my life. If he never does another thing, he's already, hey, done enough. He said, they said, I will not bow. And if God chooses not to deliver, I don't care what you do. Nebuchadnezzar became outraged. He said, make that flame seven times hotter than it was supposed to be. I'm going to burn them to a crisp. I'm going, y'all. I know y'all got brunch plans. But listen, here's a good part of this. Those men that he had, he said, get them. Throw them in the furnace. Now, now, this is a part that I, I heard and I've heard, but we miss it. They walk in, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azaria, to the furnace. While they're walking in there, the flames are so hot that it kills the ones who are holding them. Y'all missing this. No, 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 no. Y'all didn't get it. I, I could tell you didn't get it because nobody ran into a wall yet. Watch. The guards carrying them to the furnace died because of the flames on the way there. See, okay. The guards carrying the three boys on the way to the furnace. Say the furnace is there. They, the flames are so hot that before they got there, they died. Now, God had already moved and they missed it. You thought you was leading me to my demise. But you were setting your own self up for your own death. Uh-oh, you missed it. Okay, okay, you did get that part. But can I get the other part? Well, hold on. If halfway there, the ones taking me there died. How did they get in? When I know who got me, I can walk into anything. Not afraid of what might happen. Because God's got my back. Is there anybody in here today who can testify that you can make it 
Because God has already kept you. And because God has already kept you, you can face any challenge. You can face any difficulty. And what am I trying to tell you? There will always be furnaces in your life. There will always be situations that should have killed you. But the reason why you can walk in and face them is because you know this one thing. You do not walk by yourself. I know I don't usually say he all the time, but here's how grandma said it. He walks with me. Hey, and he talks with me. And he tells me who I belong to. And they go in. They go in. I'm done. And they in the fire. Unburned. Unharmed. Everybody who tried to put them in died. But they walked in and lived. Why? Because they did not walk by themselves. Nebuchadnezzar was waiting for them to burn up. He couldn't understand why they lived. He looked in that furnace. He said, wait a minute. Didn't we put three in there? He said, but I see a fourth person. Can I tell you this? Some folk don't see the other presence until you in the fire. There are some things that are only seen when you feel in the heat. That other figure who's been keeping you up, sustaining your life, becomes visible, oh God, in my crisis. You see who has me when my back is against the wall. I hope you got this. People see who's been protecting you when it looks like you have no protection. People realize that you are kept when you seem like you're in your worst crisis. That's why I learned not to be afraid when you're about to enter those seasons of difficulty because you're about to see who got my back. And some of the same people who tried to kick you when you were down <laughs> may not be around to see your, your elevation. We are here today as beautiful witnesses to the fact that we are not alone in this world. There is a force, a power, an energy, a spirit, God, who has us, who has you today. I know we got to go, but listen, don't surrender yourself at the altar of fabricated images. Don't surrender yourself. Don't give yourself in to spaces that don't care about you or people who don't care for you. 
When you get to the point where you can walk alone into your own crisis, walk with courage and confidence. Remember those three boys. You know God is able because God has done it. That's why this new crisis doesn't scare me. The new challenge doesn't make me timid. Because when I'm at my worst, you realize I ain't alone. God is there. Do me a favor. If you're able, stand on your feet today. We're getting out of here. Somebody needed to hear that today. Hear me. Somebody, somebody needed to remember that. Do me one last favor. And this is you doing ministry for your neighbor. This is you doing ministry right now. Look at your neighbor and just tell them, neighbor, you are not alone. Come on, tell the other person next to you. Tell them, neighbor, you are not alone. Remember that. The next time you see a fiery furnace on the horizon, Tell yourself, I am not alone. I am not alone. Walk with that uncanny courage and confidence. If you know you are not alone. And so what? You are not what other people would want you to be good, but I am who God has me to be. And that's enough. Come on, let's pray. God, thank you today. Because some of us already knows what it feels like to bow down to empty spaces. To bow down to loveless spaces. To bow down to uncaring spaces. But God, thank you for holding us in our right mind. Because sometimes it, we come to a place of awareness after having experienced those loveless, uncaring spaces to realize that God, that you've always been there. And that's why we've learned to love you more than anything. So God, thank you for this reminder today that we are not alone, even in the hottest of situations. Thank you for this reminder. And thank you for pushing us to our best place. So God, today as we depart this place, we will remember. We will remember that you are with us. Why is that necessary? Because God, there's some people who think we can't make it without them. We serve them notice today. That if God is on my side, it doesn't matter who walks away. Doesn't matter who turns their backs. If God is on our side, we can handle anything that comes our way. God, we love you. We love you more than anything. This is our prayer. In your name we pray. Amen.
Man, come on, good Lord, a handcuff. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward